All right, hello, welcome to Euphoria, season six, episode six. I'm Dracos, here with Frostgrown. You can call us mom and dad. We found out last night that Deficio really hates that brand name. <laughs> shout out to you, Deficio. You can call us mom and dad. Deficio, you can especially call us mom and dad. We're available Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. I don't know why he hates it so much. It's kind of, to be fair, it is kind of weird. It's just the one that people voted for, so we're kind of just here now. I just, my, so where I got the idea from is I play pop uh, trivia in over zoom with my partner's parents and because she's british they spell it mum m-u-m instead of Mm m-o-m and so their pub trivia quiz name is dumb and mad because they just swap the d and i'm just like that's actually hilarious and maybe it's because i'm almost 30 now that i just find the humor in that but i'm like that's a banger we're forever young, Frostgrown. that's what we're ruining our forever young (laughs) hip with the kids branding by calling ourselves mom and dad (laughs) Oh, God, saying the words hip with the kids is just gross. I don't know how Trevor does it every week. Um, Speaking of. Bad week for LEC is my first thing, because we're going to talk a little bit about... We have Blip on the show today. That's kind of the important thing, and that's going to be a big chunk of time. Um, you guys memed about it when we asked you for Twitter questions, but Blipo is a talker, and he has a lot a lot of information to share. But before we talk to Blipo, we got to talk about the league holistically, and that's why I wrote, yeah, bad week for LEC. Because, Frosk, this might have been the worst week of mechanical play we've seen in LEC history. (laughs) So here's the thing. I watch a lot. So I watch LEC. I Mm. watch occasional LCS. I watch the LCS Academy League. I watch some of the ERLs. Wait, why is it? Excuse me? You watch occasional LCS and not occasional LCS Academy? So hilariously, for whatever reason, I like, I always catch the Academy Leagues and I watch extensively a lot of the, I probably watch more Academy in North America than I actually watch their professional play. And I'm like, huh, this guy's not half bad. Anyway, I digress. I watch a lot of fiestas. I watch a lot of like, I can't say that word, some fiddlesticks in good times. Let me tell you that. Um, I'm really scared for the LEC right now. It is really dire. I know that there's like so much hype because our league is so competitive and we have some really fun teams like Rogue and Mad Lions. Yada, yada, yada. You've heard it all before. I also watch the LPL. Guys, if you're not watching the LPL, uh, let me just like break this down for you. We're about to get massacred. We're about to just go into the wood chipper and just get ripped apart. This is not good right now. Like the LEC domestically, really exciting. The LEC internationally, if we're playing like this, really, really, really scary. I mean, even outside of like the international thing, I was just I was nervous just on a week to week level because of the individual mechanical mistakes. And I think even if our league was playing super well right now, we'd still be scared of the LPL. So that's like double, triple scary. Like we're struggling when we compare ourselves to international teams. I think it's like the safe bet. Obviously, we can never know until we get there. Um, and the LPL appears to be stronger than ever. What was it you said to me last week? They have six good teams. They have six good teams. Ah, we have two. <laughs> we don't even have two. We have like one point five. Anyway, there's like that said, international's a far away away. And the good news is that LEC remains exciting. Mad Lions, Rogue, doing well. Nice. My big question, since we're going to talk to Fnatic, I got to ask about the other side of the Dynasty Legacy Kings coins, and that's G2 Esports. And how much longer do we wait for G2 to figure it out? I mean, I just. Before we just go, well, okay, you're dead in the water. Eh." Oh, we got to have real talk. I just think circumstance situation um shout out to grabs if you guys haven't watched i would really recommend going and watching the pgl uh, that grabs did on saturday night last week he was super candid in the interview and it basically broke down to this uh it's hard right now you know circumstances for obvious reasons dealt us a really uh poor hand and now because of meta because of circumstance they're fighting an uphill battle g2 has never really been put in this position i still have faith and he still has faith and a lot of the pro teams people get mad at us all the time for this but at the same time i'm like if everyone's saying the same thing maybe you guys are the problem (laughs) g2 will come back and will be a competitive team but now the question is will g2 come back to the highs that they once were and now i'm pretty safe on no probably not this time around or in the immediate future just because of everything that's happened around the team um but at the same time like they're still a good team but is good good enough now whippo has an amazing quote and now i'm just gonna steal it it's like if you're not great on Fnatic, you're just bad. And I think for G2 and Fnatic, it's the same thing if you're not amazing you're just trash and 
no one else is really held to that same standard. Like, Misfits can have just the most atrocious games or whatever, and people be like, yeah, but they'll probably still maybe make playoffs. Ah, they're still okay. Oh, maybe bench this guy. Like, there'll be a little bit of flame. But Fnatic will have, like, a crazy comeback where they out-team fight and people will be like, burn them, drown them in the water. To be fair, those Orion and Kha'Zix plays <laughs> were blind-worthy. You oh made you made an incredibly so inappropriate eye bleach reference. <sighs> You're like, bleach your eyes, Fnatic fans. It's never <laughs> That was an origin game. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thanks, Deficient. We're riding the line uh, every day. Okay, so I guess I'm just going to keep asking you questions because I, I, I don't... I don't have as much faith, but I think you're right. Circumstance is a really important factor, and we're seeing for both G2 and Fnatic they're struggling. But are the Fnatic OG G2? These are the teams that we just said they're getting playoffs. I don't, I don't, like no questions asked. Okay. Are, those, are those playoff spots still safe the same way they were when we start, were talking about the teams? <laughs> yes, at the start of summer? because I think that all you necessarily need really is consistency, and it feels like if you just took different elements from Vitality, Excel, SK, and Misfits, and like kind of put them all together, you might get close to what you would assume an Origin Fnatic or G2. I also think it's unfair for Origin to be grouped up with Fnatic and G2 right now. I think that that's just well, rude okay, to Origin. Well, they, those are the teams that were. That are currently more in the middle of the pack that we they're like, supposed to be like the givens that we guaranteed playoff spot yeah. to. Mad Lions would be on that list too, but they're clearly number one and have basically already made playoffs, so I just didn't include them in that list. Um, yeah, I I just think that there's still a lot of things that are missing. Uh, one of the nice things is, and we had dinner with Martin last night. There, this was part of the discussion. Is if you look at a team like SK as an easiest example, they just know how they want to play the game, which is get Crown Shot, a really powerful champion, and, and kind of play around that win condition. And I think when you simplify it like that, um, you find or you're more likely to find consistency in what you're getting versus a team that's experimenting a lot, like maybe a Fnatic, as Whippo talks about. Um, and in the current meta and the current way that the game is played, that's why the standings have been so chaotic and so volatile. Uh, in terms of some positive sides, because I feel like I don't just want to like sit here and, and uh, trash on the region. <laughs> um the shadows lease in oh my oh my god. god there's a mechanics video out if oh. you haven't seen it i'm sure it's number one on reddit and if you've you, if, if you haven't seen it by the time this podcast comes out the rock that you're living under needs better internet connection um because it's insane that's the best that is one of the best lease in and i know that Plays there's, of all time. there's a conversation of um there's a lot of really talented lease in players of course in the lpl there's a lot of individual talented players here's my other glass half full yes i'm terrified of the lpl that they're just going to absolutely body us uh, at any international event but also the LPL historically has been a region where you master one style and you play that style so well that if the meta comes into the perfect storm, you can win a world championship. And so I'm like, teams, you got to simplify. Stop trying to be everything. Just be one thing, LEC teams, which is why Mad Lions, I'm like, yes, this is our new hope. Let's ride that hopefully all the way to at least semifinals. So what you're telling me is that for all the script writing memes that people make about worlds, Riot does kind of control worlds. Like if they just buff team fighting and the, the, Ch the Chinese team that's insane at team fighting just wins worlds. Is it that simple? Uh, there was a lot that happened. <laughs> it was the most Invictus gaming experience to have IG win a world championship before ever winning a domestic title. I'm like, this burns my soul right now. Oh, good old LPL. All right, like... I, in general, I'm still really excited about the league because while these games are... Domestically, this league is popping it's, off. Yeah, it's an absolute banger every week. And while they are difficult to cast, as we learned in our Fnatic Misfits game... That was hilarious. I got, I got fairly, I think, called bias because I talked too much about Fnatic. Okay, no, no, no. I'll, I'm actually just going to sell you out right now. <laughs> it was, Reddit, it was absolutely a biased cast. But the thing was, is it was conscious. I don't know if it was conscious on Dracos' end. Not as much. Absolutely conscious on my end. I was like... I'm Misfits versus Fnatic, and I had to make the conscious, and maybe you can criticize me, but here's my thought process. I'm like, this game is super important for Fnatic because Fnatic fans are ready to just destroy this team. They're ready to run them down into the streets right now, and this game could be like a make or break for potentially their playoffs. I'm like, okay, Fnatic is obviously like the heavier storyline here. I'm probably gonna get more longevity over it. This is a team that has a bigger brand, more following, so I'm gonna cast this from Fnatic's perspective, and in the early game, you can hear me doing it, but I really realize I'm on that fine line and I switch and you can physically hear me say like that was an awful something from Fnatic but on the other side everything's misfits? going for misfits yep. so I was like I gotta get a little bit of the mm -hmm. misfits in there to like build it up because I do want to praise misfits when they're doing well but consciously I was like I have to cast this game from Fnatic's perspective because if they just run it down that's the narrative that matters and if I'm biased I'm sorry I gave you the better narrative 
And here's the thing. On my end, I just talked about, I didn't talk about Misfits enough. I just cast, kept casting everything from the Fanatic perspective, and I don't mind that. And then when we read Reddit, which we saw on occasion do, believe it or not, um, you watch the live thread, and they're like, my God, this is the most biased cast ever. But then, because through sheer dumb luck and Misfits and competence, bless up Misfits, um, I mean, I'm right about see, the Fanatic comeback. You did people see the are composition. Like, people are like, they're geniuses. How did they know they said this would happen? I will say my language is very specific. I was like, Misfits composition, very strong right now. They're slapping them with their wallets. I never once said Misfits have this in the bag because I was looking at that comp. I was like, that's not going to be a good time in 25 minutes. Anyway, I think the TLDR over there for me is I got lucky as a caster on that one because Fnatic did pull it back. But a uh, small apology to Misfits. I should have given you more praise in and the early game. I'm next to Dracos and this guy is just going ham on Fnatic. But like we've seen Fnatic from this position before. They can come back. And then you hear me and be like, Misfits is doing really well. Because in my head, I'm like, God damn it, Dracos. We're going too hard <laughs> on Fnatic now. I got to pull up. And so I'm just like, I'm only talking about Misfits. He's only talking about Fnatic. And then Fnatic come back. I'm like, I was right all along. <laughs> we'll just pretend that there was nothing in the middle. If you look at the start and the end of that cast, it was a perfect cast. If you look at the middle, it's a little wishy-washy. And it's just, if you watch, yeah, the last five minutes. Oof, like so teams, good. casters experiment during splits. Um, you know, we don't always hit the nail on the head. Oh so sorry to Misfits. Shout out to the Fanatic fans that I ended up being right there. But yeah, we get there. Anyway, uh, I forgot what I was actually going to say because I had a final point. But we got Blippo ready to go. So let's go talk to Blippo instead. It's time for the Blippo Show. Woo! All right, it's now my distinct pleasure, our distinct pleasure. I was going to say, what? I said, you're, you're maybe a different level of pleased. I don't want to speak for both of us. We're both pleased. Whippo is here, top laner of Fnatic, uh, notable League of Legends conversationalist. I think the most repeated comment that we got was, um, for, Dra for Dracos and Frost, at the end of this episode, how many words do you think you got to say total? Which, uh, frankly, I love Whippo. I love that you always have so much to say. Um, how are you doing this fine day? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty early morning for me, but other than that, I think uh, it's pretty. It's, it's a fine day. Yeah, I'm gonna say shout out to you. I was not so normally when we have our guests on because we have a lot of pro players on. They're almost like never up, mm -hmm. and you were like as Dracos and I walked into the room, we were like already up, had your mic in place. You had, I was like, damn, this man is <laughs> yeah, quick, punctual. Quick, quick spoiler behind the scenes, because well, I know you live in your own apartment, but more often than not, we're like mm -hmm. messaging the manager who's like running over to the player apartment or team house to like knock on the door to like physically drag the dude out of bed to get him in front of a camera. Right. So much appreciated. I've been there. I've been that player. Um, <laughs> punctual is probably not what my teammates associate with me with, as I'm someone that always tries to calculate the maximum amount of time I have to waste. Um, <laughs> that said, when I just have to, you know, walk into the right room, and sit down on my chair, it's rather easy to be on time, which is fortunately the case in this in this situation. And do not be fooled, YouTube land. That is a giant cat tree behind Bwipo. And if you are so lucky, That's right. as Dracos and I have been, you will get to see some amazing cats. He's and sitting right there right now. He'll, he'll may or may not want which, to uh, <laughs> I'm not. Up. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, delayed a recording. No, so the, the Scottish folds. <laughs> We've been delayed by like three minutes because we were just getting really excited about Bwipo's cats. And our producer, despite loving cats himself, was like, guys, Get it together. We got to start the segment of the show. I regret nothing. Okay, start the segment of All the right, show. All right, so, Wimbo, I wish we were inviting you here during um, the classic Fnatic victory lap when you're like, you know, X0 at the top yep. of the standings. But we're not. We're inviting you during kind of kind of a sad time for Fnatic right now. And I kind of wanted to get your take on it, starting off with um, what, I, what Reckless talked to me about when I interviewed him after your... Second surprise win. <laughs> this surprise at 2-0. <laughs> last week. <laughs> um, I So the statement that's been floating around a lot, and I don't know who originally started it, but a lot of people seem to be buying into it, is that Fnatic is a group of great players that are not a good team. And Reckless agreed with it, and I kind of want to get your... my statement. Sorry. Was that your statement that was first? That statement. <laughs> All right. Well, God bless. You're a trendsetter, Frost Grin. Now, Reckless agreed with it, and I wanted to see what your perspective was, Bupo, on that statement that Fnatic is a group of good players that aren't really a good team. Um, I mean, right now, I would say that's true. Has it always been true? Um, in a way, perhaps. Um, but I think that... Um, Connecting to each other during the game is something that um, professional players struggle with a lot, and I think it's a, a skill that many professional players aim to, to own. 
even though it's not something that's uh, being seen very often, it's not something you pay attention to, it's not something that uh, really shows until you've actually accomplished to have all five of your players be connected. Um, and being connected, uh, to put it simply, um, is when you're playing the game, everybody's doing something to contribute towards that goal. So for example, if you're trying to play around bottom lane, uh, if your mid laner is roaming bot, you pull your top laner from top lane to mid lane, and any type of advantage you can get from the mid lane in the normal case, right? Because you're roaming from mid lane to the bottom lane um, is now being created top lane because your top laner took over mid lane, which means that, in other words, your top laner is involved or connected to a play that's happening bottom lane. Um, and that's something that's like, it's a very simple way of explaining it, but... Uh, ultimately, this is what you want your team to be, right? Everyone covers for each other, and then ultimately, in the end of that play, your bot lane is going to probably swap to Herald, because that's a very common play that's very powerful right now. You're going to grab the Herald, and then your top laner is going to involve himself in that Herald play, and either you full swap or you half like It depends on how you're going to play that game, but the point is, is everyone's connected from that point onwards, and you can easily involve yourselves in the plays, um, because either you, you, know, you have teleport advantage, or... You, you have a teleport, they have a teleport. Point being, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> you connect everybody. Your whole team is connected, and that's what matters. Um, and that's something that right now, uh, us as a team, we don't really have. And that's something that we're struggling with a little bit. Um, because we're not really finding ways to connect everybody. Um, often, people are being left alone on the sideline, uh, especially later on in the game. I experienced that even though Nemesis is often very strong, uh, we leave them alone for a second and uh, we have to go through way more effort of getting him off that weak side of the map into our strong side rather than having already had him on the strong side and there's multiple reasons why that happens but um, this is just one of the things that we experience so i wouldn't say that we're a bad team uh, i wouldn't say that we're great either and because Fnatic has that niche of like if you're not great you're bad i mean i, I feel like that's kind of how <laughs> how people treat us, you know, like the fact that we won last week, in my opinion, um, does show that we're a pretty good team, in fact. Um, because not every team would win those games. And, and that's the way I want to look at things. Um, Glass half when it comes full. To, yeah, like, that would be a nice way, right? Like, I think that, especially the Misfits game, we showed some very solid team fighting, in my opinion, right? Like, mm -hmm. Could have been better in the early game, and I was part of the problem, don't get me wrong, but ultimately that game was won fair and square. I want to, because uh, I, I agree with this, but before we kind of like uh, pick into the Misfits fight, I want to back up a little bit, Whippo, because um, I find it really interesting, the evolution that this Fnatic roster has taken, um, especially when it's the exact same iteration of the roster that was in the spring finals. And so I wanted to kind of direct the conversation from there. You guys looked like a completely different animal in spring than you do in summer with virtually no roster swap. Obviously, there's a changeover in coaching staff, but I don't know how much that impacts it. And so the biggest thing is obviously the meta shift, the fact that team fighting is much more prominent in this current meta, whereas previously you guys could play in a 1-3-1 or a 1-4 or have like multiple options where more people have agency. At least this is what Grabs is kind of explaining on PGL and his opinion of why G2 have fallen down the standings, among other reasons. And I wanted to kind of like check with you like is this communication was fine and then it got bad is this fanatic figured out how to play the previous previous meta and now in this current meta uh maybe your guys's weaknesses that were always there are being exposed is this uh changing of mentality from certain players like what has led to kind of the not the downfall but the stalling out of fanatic because as you said when you guys aren't great you're shit which i think is such an apt way to explain the fanatic experience oh <laughs> uh, well that's a that's a mouthful to start with but um i think that honestly both g2 and fanatic start with the same issue um Finals when uh, it was all lopsided and it was decided in such a way that um, both teams figured, like, I guess this must be the meta, right? Because Fnatic ran around uh, bullying people really in spring, playing whatever the hell they wanted, uh, playing fast early games, playing aggressive champions left and right. Um, and then all of a sudden when they tried to do that in, in the finals against GG2, um, we won't talk about it. <laughs> 
you know that's how bad it was you don't even want to talk about it um never happened you're just like nope no, I like how you, you say they as if you yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. This is fanatic <laughs> roster exactly. just bombed. I never the played final. there. <laughs> Crazy. I never played at finals. I, in fact, I never showed up. That's the whole point, right? And I think that that's something people don't realize is that the biggest issue there was that, in fact, fanatic top laner never showed up, which means that if you're playing four v five, it's hard to win no matter what strategy you're using. Um, Jokes aside, the point is is that we were playing a very aggressive style. You counterpicked Orn with Silas, you play Lee Sin in the jungle, you have, I don't even remember what we had mid in the first game. Well, you eventually um, had a Azir. Oh, uh, yeah, but the first game, I don't, I don't remember what we had. I, I actually don't remember. Did we have Azir in that game? I think no, we you only got it blind um, pick game. game three. Uh, I don't remember what I had mid first game, but you know, and we had a bottom line that was scaling or Aphilio something, Aphilio's Tama, I think. And that was kind of the meta, right? Like you have strong laners, silently use a top lane counter pick or a mid lane counter pick, whichever you get on blue side, whichever uh, you this want was on red the side. Perks played Azir and Nemesis played uh, Vigar. Vigar. There we go, Vigar, the counter pick, right? So, so you know, everyone, like I get my counter pick into Orn, uh, we get our counter pick into Azir. Our solo lane should be solid, um, you know, sure, Vigar's more on the scaling end, but ultimately, eventually, there'll be pressure there. Um, you've got your pressure point in Silas, um, Lee Sin is around to, to, to shake things up. And you play the game from that perspective, right? Like, you're going to get outscaled, but it's, all, it, it's on the enemies to make it there. That's the idea, right? Um, after that series, I think the general consensus was it's on the aggressive team to make sure the game ends before they get there. And I think that's what made G2 and Fnatic have a different perspective on the meta because ultimately they just won against the strongest aggressive team, um, given by the fact that we beat every other team in the league that was playing aggressively and got to the finals. Um, which means that if they can beat us playing such a comp, uh, which is super scaling comp, then it must make sense to play the same style against everybody else, right? Wrong. <laughs> I think what ended up happening there is that teams like Mad Lions and Rogue, they just pick their meta. They're like, you know what? We're Mad Lions. We're going to pick uh, Lee Sin, um, whatever has mid priority, like Kaiser play, anything that has CC and has <laughs> keys that go forward. Uh, and we're going to take it from there. And what ends up happening is that um, every team in the league that's trying to mimic the scaling composition is like, well, actually, you're not wrong with the idea that the enemy team is... The, like, we're demanding the enemy team to get ahead of us, but it appears that they're better at that than we had expected. So now they've gotten ahead of us, and the game seems much harder to play. Um, and I think that on that day, um, in the finals at least, Fnatic wasn't playing too hot and I was a big part of that. And that's why I, even though we were drafting early game, it didn't work out. And even at times like game two and three, I picked tanks, right? I was trying to match scaling with champions like Zach and Orn. I don't think that was right. Um, and that's why it looked even worse, right? <laughs> Um, but ultimately, I would say that that final set the meta for G2 and Fnatic, and maybe even some teams watching it, right? Um, and everyone agreed, except for Rogue and Mad Lions specifically, which continue to play their style. I think Misfits, for example, still play a very early game style. They just flopped in some of the wins early game, uh, or late game, I'm sorry. They just flopped, which I said wins because they should have been. Uh, <laughs> two of those against us, obviously, but I'll take them. Um... <laughs> But I think that that's like the biggest difference in LEC and why the league as a whole looks stronger. Because I feel like people undervalue the fact that they're just playing their own style. It's a best of one setting. You come in, you've got your idea, you're just going to play your best game. That's it. That's just it. You're not going to try and do anything that you're not practicing. You're just going to show up. And right now, Mad Lions and Rogue are the two teams that have the best idea of how they want to play as a team. And I think that's why they're, that, that reflects in their standings. So... To what what is holding Fnatic back from from developing a similar idea and philosophy? Is it just that you feel like Mad Lions and Rogue have been trying a similar strategy through spring now into summer, or and it's just it just takes time, or is this something where Fnatic is struggling to get on the same page? You guys can't figure out what's the best way to play the game because um, surely like at this point, if you really just want if Mad what Mad Lions is doing is working, you can 
be just like the teams who in the past would have copied G2 or Fnatic and, and bring some of the same flair that Mad Lions is bringing, no? I mean, it's hard to specifically say um, where it started. But like I'm saying, I think the mix-up came from finals, uh, at least from Fnatic's perspective. The reason why we don't... Uh, we didn't stick to what we were good at was because it was such a disappointing defeat, right? Like if we go 2-3 and we fight to the death playing our picks and, and, and figure something out to make it close, to make it look like our strategy was even worth considering, um, we would do that. We were not able to make our strategy look like it was worth considering or worth playing in general with how we were playing. So we changed. That change has growing pains. That change eventually didn't work out. Uh, given the fact that we were losing. Um, now we are on a 2-0 week, but still, we're not out of the woods yet, right? Um, but I think that that's the difference. I think Mad Lions never really changed because I think they like, had a taste of that success when they beat G2 in a best of three. Oh, best of five, sorry. Um, and I think that's why they just commit to their strategy, right? They were like, you know what? We can beat G2, G2 won. We're going to keep playing the way we're going to keep playing and we're just going to get really, really good at it. So I think that's like the main reason. In terms of um, kind of the philosophy that Fnatic is trying to find or the strategy, and it sounds like you guys are kind of going through like an identity crisis, if you will, and that's bleeding over into communication. And so the team is inherently weaker than it was before. Um, if you can, and obviously you don't need to leak strats or anything like that. Uh, when I look at Fnatic's drafts, I feel like there's a huge priority and emphasis on certain jungle picks. Your guys' priority on Graves. Um, you're one of the few teams playing Kha'Zix. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Kha'Zix is absolutely nuts. But to me, it does look like Fnatic really are empowering self-made in particular. And the philosophy of drafting seems to be about helping him and then setting you guys up for scaling picks elsewhere, allowing him to farm up, allowing him to be powerful. Um, whereas... When I actually look at your guys' successes, it's when you have champions that can kind of all do your own thing. If that's you on an Urgot, if that's Reckless on a Syndra, if that's uh, Nemesis on, I don't know, a Twisted Fate or whatever. And then you also have like Graves or Kha'Zix running around. And you guys are all like, not a fist, not five players making a fist, but five players just like poking eyes everywhere and constantly making your own decisions and kind of like outpacing your opponent. Um, I'm like, okay, there, there seems to be no no teamwork there and it's just Fnatic really brute forcing with their individual talented players. So is this kind of like close? Is this way off? Like, where do you feel with this assessment? I think that's something that we did more in spring than we are right now. Um, and yes, the, the truth is, is that happened in spring. Um, whereas in summer we realized that that's not going to fly. Um, it works until it doesn't. Um, until it doesn't depends on what team you run into and how well on that day you're playing uh, individually as well. Uh, in other words, you're relying on the individual members like the whole time, right? Um, it's not, well, we have a strategy or we have a team composition that's ready. It's more like, I'm picking Silas today. How good is my Silas going to be today? I'm picking... Rengar today. How good is my Rengar going to be? Martin's going to pick uh, Aphelios today. How good is his Aphelios going to be? How good is his Kaisers going to be? How good is Selfmate, for example? How good is his Kha'Zix going to be? How good is his Graves going to be? And everyone gets like asked, like, how good are you going to play today? Because if the answer is very good, then you're probably going to have a very good day. If the answer is not so great, um, it does appear that when you have a strategy when everyone's doing their own thing and has so much freedom, um, you notice that when what they usually give is missing, people struggle. So what you do is try to limit the amount that you have to give in order to get value from the player, right? At least that was the logic. That's why we tried to play such a scaling or, or have a different idea on scaling, right? Like early on in the split, we came in with the Grave Soraka thing. Um, what else did we try? Um, I mean, we went 3-0 in the first week, which is surprising to me still, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that week, like I played Cho'Gath a game. I think I played something else. Um, the point is, is that the idea was is to, to create more coherent team compositions. Look at our first pick, try to make use of our first pick as a champion that we prioritize. So build around. In other words, not just like, oh, this champion's really cool, and then like draft four other champions that look really cool too. Um, even though that's a way of drafting, uh, it's something that we agreed that it felt bad that at times when. For example, we would play Aphelios, even though I think Reckless is a great Aphelios player and probably one of the best in the LEC. Um, we don't have much success with Aphelios. And that comes from the fact that we generally just draft our champions around anything. 
you know, we just draft them. It's like, oh, this champion is good on his own. That champion's good on his own. So we'll draft that rather than finding ways of making a Philios in specific look good, making that pick. That's our first pick. It should be the focal point of our draft, right? Um, or at least it should be something that we can build around or choose not to. Whereas champion and like a Philios, you have to build around him um, in order to get the most out of him. So let's and let's look at your your most recent draft and kind of apply this philosophy, mm-hmm. um, especially like your game against Misfits. I love the fact that you're pulling at the Cho'Gath. I think Cho'Gath very underrated right now for how powerful he is, for how many champions I want agree, to I agree. dive back into him. And when I look at that comp, I'm like, okay, Fnatic have not necessarily a death ball comp, but when you guys are all grouped up, it's impossible to dive into you guys. You guys had like a Senna, a Cho'Gath. I think that there was some sort of CC support the mis- in there. The Misfits game, yeah. It was, so the Braum, Braum. Senna, Oriana. Kha'Zix, Oriana, Cho'Gath, yeah. And I feel like the only thing that doesn't necessarily fit in there is the Kha'Zix. It's not awful, but basically like at any mm-hmm. point with that comp, if Misfits ever tried to dive back into you guys, it was just going to be a bounce house of like hell. Like they were never going to get through anything. And then when you guys all just like grouped up and move around, you were just, you were unstoppable. Is that... We kind of talk about words like, um, you know, Fnatic kind of find like a gimmick that works for them. Is it more so the strategy of this composition works really well at going forward? This composition works really well at going back. This composition excels in its monster control. Like, is that how you guys are thinking about things? Um, Champion interaction is a huge deal, of course. Like, you know, when we're playing Orianna, like we don't want to have too many assassins that dive in and can't actually oriana can't actually empower right oriana is very niche in that sense she's very versatile as a champion like even if you have four champions that want to dive in like madmen and, and try to commit to the enemy backline she still can just shockwave somebody you know she puts the ball on someone you go it works out right um so oriana in that sense is she's very versatile as a champion so she works no matter what happens in the game um but in that game, um, and in general, the logic is is if we're playing a, a Senna or Ayana type of composition, that we don't like play Wukong. Um, what else is like Wukong? It's about letting Eason. the opponent come into you versus trying to go exactly. to them. Exactly. Like, even if we want to go to them, we have the option. It's just like, it's a matter of having the option. Whereas if you're playing Wukong, it's, it's very difficult to let the enemy, like, how do you kite as Wukong, right? You press your E key and then you press your R key and then you're <laughs> using your clone to run. Like, that's not exactly kiting, in my opinion, right? What you want to do is you want to commit, get two big ultimates, and fight to the death. Uh, when you're playing a trap like Cho'Gath, on the other hand, even though this, the CC is very similar in the sense that they both have a knock-up, Cho'Gath can just chuck out ruptures left and right and just wait for a good opportunity. Um, and I think that's like, the biggest difference that people don't necessarily see is that you can always kite in League of Legends. You can. It's just some champions are much better at playing a team fight slowly than others. So you want to draft those champions with champions that want to play a team fight slowly. Oriana is a champion that wants to play slowly, get a good opportunity, and then strike. But at the same time, she can also play fast. Uh, same thing with Senna. Like she wants to fight slow, like fight the fight slowly. Kite people, get value out of her passive, um, make people get tilted at her range whatever you want really but at the same time she can use her ultimate to just you know blow someone out across the map do you have a preference um, on which one you think is better or which one is easier to execute on when you guys are playing a slow um mm-hmm. team fight versus like a zach leona wukong bullshit right. <laughs> um <laughs> i think in general um one thing i've noticed over the course of my career is that one of the reasons i think that i've had success as a player is because i don't let the game happen um, and I, I, I thought of this really silly way of putting it, um, because it's always been a meme, right? You always outscale on stage. This is just a fact. You can ask any pro player. If you're on stage, you outscale. That's just the way it is. But I came to realize that I'm a player that even though I outscale, I will never let the enemy scale. That doesn't happen. I outscale them, but I'm not going to let them scale. And I think that's honestly one of the reasons why I've had so much success as a player, because for me personally, at least, um, I feel like a lot of players in the LEC are not used to just being put on the spot. Um, And a lot of the lower tier teams especially have players that struggle to respond to that type of aggression. And what I'm talking about is minute 15, all of a sudden, enemy top lane is going absolutely ballistic on you uh, because you decided to contest the mid wave. Uh, I, I do this a lot. I've done this a lot. Uh, and when, when I stopped doing this, I realized I'm giving this guy so much free time to let him do what he wants. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm scaling, but he's scaling too. And I don't like that because I know when I don't let him scale, he's going to have a much harder time playing against me specifically. 
I find that uh, in a lot of conversations with pro players, it's almost like everything's put into a vacuum in terms of theory. And you'll often hear from them like, oh, you know that, like even before the matchup is even played or a situation is played out, they'll be like, I can't do that because that's just not how that works. And you never, you very rarely right. see pro players, especially in the LEC, just like checking if someone's awake, just stepping forward and checking if that guy's paying attention, if you can right. either be in that zone or if he can even be there or if he has the health to make the trade. Um, whereas I watch a lot of LPL. I don't know if you watch a lot of LPL. Um, they constantly are checking that shit. People are constantly yeah. either testing limits or just making sure that someone's not asleep <laughs> at the wheel. Well, the thing about the, the testing limits thing, and I think the difference between um, LPL and LEC in that, in that way, and in general, something I've always looked to the LPL for is like a, a goal in my head. This is what I wanted, right? I feel like in LEC, scrims and stage are purposely different i don't understand why but they are for some reason in the lec you've got like people playing in scrims differently than they would playing on stage people don't use scrims as a way to replicate the stage games right like scrims are being played and it's like i would never do that on stage and for me it's like why would you do that then? Isn't that the whole point of scrims? Like, if you're going to play scrims in a way, please just make sure that you're going to play the same way on stage. And I think that this is something LPL does well, right? They've yep. got the whole solo queue vibe, right? Their scrims are probably the same thing. I've been People in those like, scrims, they're nuts. <laughs> I don't even, like, I actually don't think that they're that much worse, right? Like, they just play high-progressive on stage, they play high-progressive in scrims. Like, that's just the way it is. And obviously in scrims, like, maybe the enemy team decides to commit even harder rather than that but ultimately i feel like the people making the aggressive decisions make the same decisions they're not like ah i wouldn't do that if i were on stage it's more like this is good i'm going to do this and that's the end of that that's the, it's not a discussion of are we on stage or are we playing scrims it's just it's good i'm doing it um and this is something i think europe kind of misses in the idea that people are like oh in scrims i would do that stage i would never i feel like i've tried to be a player that never does that whenever my coach tells me you wouldn't do that on stage i look at him in the eye and i'm like you're like did you watch me yes, last I week i ran it down two times before <laughs> i carried that game with a rupture exactly um it's like uh i i very much am committed to playing the same game and me another reason for some success i've had in the past is I've very much related my solo queue experience as well as my scrim experience to stage as well as back and forth, right? Things I learn on stage, they will go into my solo queue experience and my scrim experience and things I learn in solo queue will go into my scrim experience with my stage experience because as a player, when I ori originally started in 2018 on Fnatic, I got one game a day. I had one game a day. That was my EULCS match of the day back then. Um, it so was you, still the ULCS. Are you saying then a ton of your development came from basically like, you're not getting it in scrims, you have to find it elsewhere, so you're finding your development right. plan in solo queue? It was just, I saw what was happening in scrims, right? So I was obviously watching the whole day. So I had five, it was six, 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 games, a game, six games a day back then. Sorry about that. Um, and I eventually uh, realized that what I needed to do was just watch all those games. You know, that like, make a database of like this is what our team wanted you know it was really easy for me to look at the games and be like all right um so i did this and this wasn't necessarily a bad thing but i think the team would have been better off if he did this right like that was the idea um and it was really easy for me to just keep looking at the scrims and just be like all right um in that situation i should be doing that because that looks better or i want to try that at least that makes more sense and then we would discuss that or we wouldn't like it just depends on the day uh, and I would go into solo queue and I would play my game and I would like try to replicate that scenario or when I'm in a situation that's very similar, I would play it out. And if I noticed, hey, that worked out pretty good, that's what I would bring to scrims, right? And because I only had one game a day, I had to prepare that all the time. I had to be ready for all those decisions that I wanted to make. Um, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why 2018 was a great year for me. At least I would say it was. <laughs> um, is because I got to see so much and I got to just be um, what my team needed. I didn't need to be anything other than what my team needed. I just saw my team would like to have this in, in, from their top laner, right? Like they would like to have TP advantages in this situation. They would like to have this champion in this situation. They would like to have, I don't know, 
their top laners show up in this situation. Um, and that's all I had to do. I had to just prepare and play solo queue all day to make sure that these things happened. And then I just showed up and, hi, <laughs> I'm playing Scion and I'm dying every laning phase, but it doesn't matter because as long as I have pressure, we're winning. So um, I'm just playing like a madman regardless of the fact that I just died. No fear. That's what my top laner, oh, that's what Fnatic's top laner um, didn't need, but they functioned best when that happened. Um, and that's what I was trying to replicate every single time I was playing in 2018 is with the information I got from so I was playing, I would replicate. Fnatic performs best when their top laner does this. And then I would just play solo queue as much as I needed to, to replicate exactly that. Why do you think that Fnatic performed well when their top laner was just absorbing a ton of pressure? Do you think it had something inherently to do with the play style that if you're just absorbing everyone's time that either Reckless or whoever gets to pop caps off caps at that point? Yeah. <laughs> at that point? Right, caps caps in the past. Um, I mean, it was obviously because I felt like as a team, we were very reactive. Like. The thing is, is, in 2018, I felt like we we're, were more of a reactive team than a proactive team when it comes to, when it comes down to it. Like, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think we had some very good proactive plans, and we we weren't a team that was, by any means, AFK. But um, when it came to it, playing reactively was something that we were better at. At least how I felt. How much did it Having hurt? Having to proactively make a oh. Sure, go ahead. No, uh, how much did it hurt uh, Fanatics? Because we talk about like communication, synergy. I listen to a lot of comms. Um, Caps is mm -hmm. pretty f well, amazing in comms. How much did it hurt <laughs> to, to lose one of those voices? Mm -hmm. um, I think in the end, like the, the strongest, I think, the strongest thing about Caps and his communication is the fact that he's trying to like drive the game forward. Um, and he's getting people to play around him whilst he's doing that. Um, and I think that's a very, like a very powerful trait to have as a player. And um, I think Nemesis does a very good job with this too, actually. Um, and what ends up happening is that because your mid laner is the focal point and the game is being played around them, that everything is involving your mid laner. And when everything involves your mid laner, you're playing, at least the general consensus is, you're playing a good game of League of Legends. So if your mid laner is going bot lane, that's good because you're bringing your mid laner. If your mid laner is going top lane, that's good because you're bringing your mid laner. And if you're going mid, then that's also fine because you're going mid lane and your mid laner is involved <laughs> mid. Um, so far, that's been League of Legends in a nutshell uh, since the dawn of Faker um, coming in and showing people how overpowered mid lane really could be. Um, but like I was mentioning earlier, um, Fnatic wasn't a slow team. It was just that when we were reactive, we were better. So when I was getting ganked top lane and I survived, that was like, we have a freebie, you know, like as a free play, we just got donated by the enemy team. And that was either mid lane or bot lane. But whatever happened was more like, I felt like 2018 was this simple. Every single laner is just sitting there being like, where is the enemy jungler waiting? You know, like, you know, like they're like <laughs> rubbing their hands, you know, when he shows, this guy's going to get it. Um, and then the only job I had was to make sure the guy showed. So it's like, oh, this guy really doesn't want to show, huh? Well, I guess I'll go proxy a wave. <laughs> uh, if he doesn't want to come to me, I'll go proxy a wave and I'll go find him in his jungle. And well, guess what? The game's not that hard. If he's not in his topside jungle, I already found him. You know, I did my job and... Uh, I, I know a lot of games are action started because I decided to proxy a wave. It's it's pretty funny. Like I was like I'm playing Scion and it's like, gotcha. Like you think you got me, you think you got me. Meanwhile, but I got you. Reckless and, and, and Hilly are two v two killing exactly. bot side. Yeah, okay. Um, but we have the patience, uh, and I think that's something that we don't have as much anymore uh, as laners, including me. Right. My job was always to find the enemy jungler. At least that's how I felt. Uh, if one of my teammates wanted to point out that I was just griefing the whole time and I was inting them, now I would know. But I feel like my job was find the guy so that my team can make a reactive play to where he is on the map. And if he doesn't want to show up, I would feel free to participate mid lane or participate through bot lane and just make a play with my teammates. But in the end, I think that that was... Um, I think that's what made me a strong player. The fact that I could recognize what my team needed, or at least I felt like the team needed, and then apply that through solo queue. Like that's the thing, I never did this by scrimming two or 300. Like I did end up scrimming a lot with the team when yeah. I was considered a starting player, but 
ultimately it started with the idea of me using the information that I got from watching the team play. This is such a solo queue mentality. If I run it down topside and I get ganked by the jungle, <laughs> immediately open up all chat. Well, Guys, what are you doing mid lane? Come on. Okay. All right. All right. So, but memes aside, I joke, I joke. this is. I want to bring it back to Fnatic now because I think you've given us a ton of insight and context as to like one how Fnatic <laughs> used to be and two how a lot of the decisions are being made currently for Fnatic and draft. But like, right. do you feel like now on this new Fnatic that? your role is no longer as clear that within the context of this new team trying to learn a new strategy together. I mean, together. In this mm -hmm. system, champions like Tom, Kench, Orianna, Ezreal, champions that basically don't die in lane phase and just sit there and scale would be like the ultimate counter because if Whippo's drawing pressure and the enemy jungler shows up, it's not like Reckless and Hilly can punish Kench Aphelios or kill Orianna. I'll have you know that According to Hillisang, and I, this is his words, Tom Kench is the squishiest champion in the game at level 2. Then lock in Pike and show me! <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just letting you know, this is something that Hillisang is very focused Like Tom Kench is not a tanky champion, according to, to, to Hilly. And I don't disagree, if you go on Tom Kench, he's not that hard to kill. It's just a matter of committing. To I mean, him, right? we've seen Hilly on Tom um, Kench. I think all Fnatic fans know that he's not that tanky. <laughs> Oh, no. Why? He's just every oh, shot you God. can take. I'm doing him right. <laughs> but, but like really at the core I'm, of it, yeah, do you feel like your role is defined? Like, do you think that you know what this Fnatic right. lineup needs from you in the same way that you did in, in 2018? Not in the same way. I don't think it's nearly as clear. It seems much more difficult to extract that information from players by like talking to them. Like it's way easier to just look at the game being played and be like, all right, this guy's not doing this and I would do that. And, and that's the difference, right? That's why having a substitute, in my opinion, is a positive thing. I even asked Fnatic two years in a row, like, please, if you can get someone that could maybe contest me, just do it. You know, like, just just don't hesitate. I'll help the guy. I, I'll actually get the guy to play better because I know for a fact that down the line, he'll make me a better player. That's a fact. If, if there's anyone that can contest me for my spot, I would be really happy because that means that even if I don't perform on Fnatic anymore or I'm not good enough compared to that guy, I'll be better than I am right now. But, but I Does really, that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I respect like the hustle and the humbleness. Um, I always really enjoy talking to you. You're so eloquent. Um, and mm -hmm. I think personally very intelligent about the game. Um, but I don't know. But. I'm, I'm just picking up. All, <laughs> no, I'm just picking up all these trends. Like, uh, you know, when you talk about how, you know, I didn't show up for the finals mm -hmm. and this was my fault. And if they can find a guy that can test me, like mad respect, because all you can really control at the end of the day is yourself and your relationship to your teammates. Right. You can't micromanage anyone else. But like, talk mm -hmm. to me about some of the internalized or what sounds like, I don't mean to like put you on the therapy couch right now, like internalized, almost like a burden that you're carrying there. Like I hear it when I talk to Reckless as well, this idea of like, anytime you talk to a Fnatic member, they're just... You know, that was my fault and I made the error and I made the big mistake and if I had played mm -hmm. better and if I had shown up. And I just have to think like, it just sounds like such a down. Like you talk to G2 <laughs> members, you talk to Rogue members, Mad Lions members, and I'm not mm -hmm. saying don't take it professionally or, or seriously, but it is such a different atmosphere mm -hmm. and aura that surrounds the team. And like, do you think that that, that mental uh, edge comes into play? Because as a bystander looking in, I'm like, it's rough to be fanatic. It's rough to have those fans. It's rough to hold yourself at such high accountability. It's rough when you go into a team and everyone's like, I suck and I'm the reason why we all lost. And if everyone believes that, I'm like, no wonder this team is like collapsing. <laughs> um, I mean, everyone's take, like, everyone takes their share of the blame, right? I think that's like the first thing. And the second thing is that um, I think it's having a winner's mentality. That, like, that's like the first thing, right? Like blaming yourself for what you don't have is, is in my opinion, the first thing. Not blaming, blaming yourself is not unnecessary, but recognizing what you don't have is 100% necessary in order to improve as a player. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Like looking forward as players, what can we do to make our team special, right? For me, at least, this is something that I've always wanted to be. I wanted to be a player that you can tell you're playing with me. You know, you're not... I'm not top laner A, B, or C. I'm me. Right, you're playing with Whippo. You're not playing with top laner A, B, or C in your career, right? When you play a year of League of Legends with me on your team, two years, three years of League of Legends with me on your team, that you can actively tell in and outside of the game you've experienced playing with me. Um, to me, at least, this is super important. And taking my share of the blame is something that, for me, is super important, as well as the fact that I follow a very simple philosophy. If I were the best top laner in the LEC, my team wouldn't lose. It's that simple. I would carry every single game. I'm not doing that. That means that I'm not as good as I could be. 
that means I'm not as good as I want to be. That means the blame is partly on me. And there's a general consensus when blame is able to be taken on yourself, blaming anything but yourself is poor taste. That's just the way I look at life. So that's why I am not a depressed person. I do not mind all our fans criticizing us. I'm okay with all of that. I understand why they do it. The only thing is, is sometimes people criticize things that they have absolutely zero clue about. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's fine. We and do. that is what bothers me. They actually actively criticize things that they don't even understand why I would make that decision. They don't even understand why I made that mistake. And that's very frustrating because I had a very good reason to contest my wave in the Trogath game that I died twice against Misfits. Was it the right decision? No. Am I trying to do too much? Absolutely. My champion is not designed to do that. But if I can pull off what I wanted to pull off and have impact in the early game on a champion like Trogath, that is what I mean with being the best top player in the LEC. No matter what champion I pick, I have influence on the map. No matter what champion I pick, I am using my wave management. I am using my teleport, I'm using my pressure, whatever I have in a way that the enemy team feels like this guy's in the game. Shit, Cho'Gath's TPing. People are like, Cho'Gath TP, what's that do? You know, like it's a Cho'Gath. Sorry, I'm... <laughs> it's fine, pop, pop off, dude, go for it, you're good. It's a, it's a Cho'Gath, what's he gonna do? And then Cho'Gath actually TPs and you're like, wait a minute. Champions broke? This guy just owned us, like, this guy just owned us, like, what do you mean? And I want to be that guy that's like, this guy is winning early game playing Cho'Gath. And then you look at your top lane and you're like, you're playing Jace. Why? <laughs> How? <laughs> what is happening? This is what I'm looking for as a player, right? To make people think like that. Make people realize like, the game isn't black and white. I can play a scaling champion and show up early game. The cat, your cats agree. Cat Which agree. cat? I mean, it's unclear. Um, Whippo, it's, uh, it's Cheeto. Cheeto agrees. He God agrees. damn it, Cheeto and Nacho. Your cat's names are so cute. Whippo, like, a final question here, because I appreciate that you're so personally focused and you talk about, like, the mistakes that you're doing and how you can mm -hmm. play the game better. And Frost brought it up that whenever we talk to Fnatic, remember, that's how it is. Which means that mm -hmm. the downside of that is, on the one hand, while we get that personal accountability, while we know that you all take yourselves seriously, we don't get as much of the team perspective and the here's our next step as a group. So to kind of wrap this portion of the discussion up before we go to Twitter questions, I wanna know like, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Do you feel like the team is coming together? Like these things are improving week to week. Like for the Fnatic fans out there who are feeling jaded or who are feeling disappointed right now, like do you, do you see um, the stepping stones needed for Fnatic to be back at, you know, the top of Europe There's fighting and playoffs. There's only one way for her to answer that question. Like, it's a good question. I understand why you ask it, but Bwipo can only give one answer to that yeah, but question. He can, but he can give a Bwipo answer, which means maybe he can provide more context. It's, see? <laughs> We're putting um, Nacho this is, this and Chino is my, on this is, this is my fan. This is my fan oh, service God. question, because I think people want to hear it. You know, they want you to be Papa Bwipo. They want you to tuck them in at night and tell them that everything's going to be okay and Fnatic's going to be right back on top you know so can we get the i mean i believe in that i do believe in that i do believe like, light at the end of the tunnel the light never ended like there was never a point where i was like it's dark <laughs> i can't see where we're going um it's just like we tried to change our strategy we had some growing pains doing that i was part of those growing pains um and then we ended up in where we ended up which is now here we come off a 2-0 week where everyone's like it's the worst 2-0 week i've ever seen well, at the same time, you know, I, I come from, uh, from a planet where in 2019 Worlds, when G2 beat SKT after com coming back in all, like, in pretty much every game from a huge deficit, they were considered the best team in the world because of that. And I'm sitting there being like, hmm. <laughs> we just came back from an 8k deficit. Who'd you come back oh, against, Flippo? Context is say. important, <laughs> my dude. <laughs> Sorry, my cat jumped on me. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, who'd you come back against? But, but was it SKT? Was it Faker? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is that really like that big of a deal? Like, right, honestly, like coming back in League of Legends is still a skill. Bevan did kill Faker. It's still somewhat of a it skill. Is, I'm not saying nah, they played nah, perfectly, right, but it's not right. like they played that poorly. You know, I it's not like they griefed and like they donated us the game. It's true. And, um, Bupo, and like, I agree. 
those wins still mean something. It still shows that when it when it matters that you can pull together as a team. People shouldn't right. take all the credit away from you. But it's also not the same as comeback wins against SKT in a world whatever. whatever. Sure, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that like it's such a stark difference in contrast to me at least. You know, it's like you beat Misfits coming back. You should have never been behind. What were you doing? You know, it's like angry parents. You know, you come yeah. back and it's like. You should have never failed that test in the first place. You would they never, are, like, dude. You score, they are like, angry You do parents. your exam again. Like, you do your exam, you come back, and you're like, you fail it. You do it again, and you ace it, you know? I will Maybe say a bit much. that entire cast, Dracos, for it. Dracos kept being like, you know, fanatic. We've seen this in the situation. You can never fall behind. And the reason why, like, I know Reddit got really upset that we said that shit. But, like, the reason why we say that shit, and this isn't necessarily mm-hmm. to you, Bippo, but more so to the listeners, is because teams mm-hmm. like Fnatic and G2 think about the game differently you guys like see opportunities that other teams do not which means you have more chances to come back like if a, if any other team in the lec only sees three opportunities to come back g2 and Fnatic see 17 and that's why that shit happens all the time to those teams so that's the I, easiest I, way I, I can break it I down i agree Doss engaging without his backline being in a position to do damage i agree it what, was, a, what an was, opportunity that that Fnatic saw I mean, it's a perfect <laughs> example hand delivered to him they just got walked at. Oh, that's perfect. You're, I agree. Fnatic, what, how they saw that opportunity. Such, so much brilliant. In the meanwhile, um, I do think it, it would be good for me to like really state, um, reassure people that, yes, we understand the split hasn't been great. We understand where we're at. We're trying to change what is necessary, what we feel like we need to change. And we are on the path to redemption, if you will. Um, <laughs> performance will come. Um, it will be fine. We'll do our best. Um, don't worry about it. Like Aww. we're doing our best all the time. We're trying our hardest, no matter what's happening. Um, and we're gonna like we're gonna be a top team at the end. You know, like I I, I refuse to see this team not make playoffs. Like that's the minimum. That's the bare minimum. Um, but not making worlds would just be a a huge disappointment, really. Um, and even though it's like looking at it that way, it's like. You shouldn't be looking at worlds, maybe. It's just for myself, like, I don't think I would forgive myself missing out on worlds, uh, given the strength of the roster I'm playing on. And here it comes back to me taking responsibility for my team and whatnot. You mentioned it earlier, but that's just the way I feel. Like, I've got all the tools I need to go to worlds and perform. You know, I've got the team, I've got uh, the staff, I've got everything. And that's basically what you need, right? A computer, a team that's strong enough, staff that's smart enough. And beyond that point, what more can I ask for other than just show up? I like it, Whippo. Maybe a bit reductionist. Obviously, there's a lot more interpersonal relationships past you have these a person and a computer, and that's all that you need. But I like it, and thank you for kind of wrapping it up nicely with that message. Uh, Getting to Twitter questions real quick. We're going to take a quick 180 in terms of the tone and the seriousness <laughs> here, because we went from, it's on me, I can do it, worlds, I've got all the tools, to this question from Stealings at Barry Yo. Why isn't Renekton picked more often than it is now? I think the champion is very strong at the moment in parentheses, solo mm-hmm. queue. So why don't we see as much Renekton, Whippo? Um, scaling in this game is something that's considered as, um, I feel like the, the, the perspective on scaling is very different and wrong. Um, for many players, scaling is being seen as something that um, when this champion outscales Renekton, Renekton can't play the game. When in reality, it's when this champion outscales Renekton, Renekton gets outscaled because it's harder for him to find usefulness in the game. It's harder for him to find opportunities where he can perform. It's harder for Renekton to deal damage, to be a frontliner, to be what you need him to be, right? And depending on what composition you have, that will change. But Renekton is a champion. He's not really a frontline champion. He's not a tank like Orn. He doesn't like walk up and take damage. He doesn't have a reliable crowd control or AOE CC, so you can't use him as that. So the only way you can use Renekton is, realistically speaking, as a disrupting, I don't know, disrupting the flow of a team fight, right? Renekton jumps in. Everyone has to focus Renekton because he's a big, beefy crocodile that deals a lot of damage if you ignore him, but it's also really easy to focus him down. He's not very mobile. So in other words, scaling is being looked at as you can't play the game if you get outscaled rather than it's much harder to play the game. I think this is why Renekton doesn't see play because for the Renekton player, it's much harder to play the game. So rather than having to go through 
such a difficult task of winning the early game or, or first winning the early game and then still having to go through effort to be useful late game why not just pick a champion that scales into the late game and doesn't have to worry about being useful he will always provide something and that's um, why Renekton. finn picked alawi it all makes <laughs> sense now you know well, always don't a champion where it's like sometimes useful no i was i was mostly kidding um I think Alawi is useless. Champions without hard CC. Whoa, Ooh. rude. Anytime someone's trying to dive into the back line, Alawi's like, yes. this is exactly similar, what I want Similar them. to Darius. If people can't read right, right, a right. kit and you walk into them. Whoa, Darius is running forward. Alawi oh, running backwards. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Good to know. Technically <laughs> well, sometimes, standing very sometimes still. Sometimes you have to do that, right? Like, that's another example. Renekton kind of has to do that, right? Renekton can't sit there and be like, I'm going to kill the tank. That's my job this fight. Um, not really. He can't do that. He doesn't have the kit to actually kill a tank. Um, so he has to go backline. But if he can't, like, his tools to go backline are so limited, you're, like, wondering where, like, hmm, what is your job actually? And, and I think that's something that people don't actually think about enough. And I think that's something that a lot of builds you don't see enough. And I think LS actually brings this up a lot, which I agree with. And the idea that, like, champions like this, like Lee Sin, Jarvan, when their only job is to go backline and die, then you might as well build a crap load of damage and just commit to that no that's what they do like, in the I mean, lpl why not why don't we have exactly why why not play renekton with three lethality items and you're, you know what i'm only gonna get one <laughs> w anyway i might as well flash in on a carry and one tap the guy the biggest difference between like uh global jarvins and lpl jarvins is those jarvins would build like full damage whereas the global jarvins like yeah. building full tank and the lpl jarvin mentality is like i'm in a league with uzi jackie love oh. eye boy you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna trade half my health bar just to chunk out the adc and get Guess what? I just took out the best player, so screw all you guys. Good luck. <laughs> I like it. Um, one more question, Whippo, before we let you go from Mr. Gatsy. Yeah, Mr. Gatsy. Uh, playing, it's kind of a mm -hmm. long question. Playing scrims and training all day. When he comes home, does he play league with his GF as well? But the kind of the core of the question is how do you balance playing professionally with your personal life? Like, how much time do you actually have? You've got an apartment. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you've got cats. Um, his blinds actually just are stuck in a breeze. It has nothing to do with yeah. a cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then again, they do like playing with the blinds. <laughs> so, yeah, talking about a little bit about balancing, uh, especially with, like, you know, it's community pressure and going all that. What is the, your work-life balance like right now, Whippa? Um, so, generally speaking, um, the way I looked at it was I was figuring, uh, I figure about, so right now our scrim schedule is you get at the office at 1 p.m., um, we have our meeting, we have lunch, one hour, we scrim five hours, 7 p.m., we have a little team meeting at the end of it discuss how they went. That's our schedule. Uh, sometimes we come in at 12 to make sure that we have more time for the meetings. We can discuss picks, uh, whatever, maybe preparation for the games on stage, whatever is necessary, right? Um, so when you think about that, it's like, what, eight hours at like, best? Like, that's eight hours in a day, like, considering, like, you know, traveling back and forth, which is like 10-minute walk, um, you, know, you know, sticking around, whatever, like, things delayed. So eight hours a day is, like, the work day. This is scrims. This is talking about the, the game with the team, all that, which means that for a normal working day, that's not that much. You know, that's very average. In fact, I would say it's normal. Um, so you've got 16 hours left. So eight hours to sleep comfortably and the rest is your own thing. Right. So for me personally, um, I spend about, um, three to four hours in solo queue after that. So I like to play like five or six games of solo queue a day. Uh, sometimes that's four games, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's seven. It just depends on how interested I am in a certain pick, uh, how much I want to practice that pick, how much I value playing solo queue on that champion. Because to me at least, um, solo queue is always great, but um, at a certain point, it also changes the way you look at a champion. And I don't think that's always a good thing. At least I've noticed in the past that I undervalued a champion because my solo queue experience with that champion was bad rather than just, I'll give you an example, Orn. You play all the solo queue on Orn, you'll realize like, oh, I can't do anything on this champ. Never playing a dog champ again. <laughs> that was a reference, you know? Um, whereas in reality, uh, when you play Orn in a competitive game, you know, like, holy moly, this champion does everything you need a top laner to do. He deals disturbing amounts of base damage as i reminded comp last weekend um tanks 
everything you need to tank, has great scaling, donates items to your teammates, upgrades their <laughs> items, makes them even better, uh, brings CC, long-range engage at times. It's not that reliable so, as it used to be, but in the past, Orange Horn was a reliable hard engage from across the across your Ow. screen, you know, like, oh, oh, that guy's at the tier two mid, I'm at my tier two mid. As much Good as a, chance I got him, you know? But what else, like, so, okay, after solo queue, after League of Legends, you got right. like four hours left in the day, what else outside of, Theory crafting how absolutely broken Orin is is in, in How much Kong. time goes to like petting the cats? <laughs> yeah, how much time do you actually have at home? What Watch, do you do? Watching um, movies. Well, like you, generally speaking, uh, after the workday, I go home. So it's like 8 p.m. or like 8.30, sometimes 9. I'm home and, and that's just from that point on. I, I, I'm like, all right, I'll play solo queue until I don't feel like it. Or, you know, sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 11. And then... It comes time for myself, and sometimes I choose to spend that playing with a girlfriend. Sometimes I choose to spend that uh, petting the cats with a girlfriend. It's usually with the girlfriend. <laughs> I, yes, I do spend my every single day. I spend time with my girlfriend, no matter what. Um, so yeah, like there's like I think like three or like ideally three hours a day. I try to like spend for myself, my girlfriend, um, just like it's not always together. Like sometimes I'm playing like TFT or something, and she's like. I've watching been something or whatever but we try to time connect with each other we try to time adjacent to each other sometimes is the best get you yourself exactly. a man who pets the cats with his girlfriend like Whippo like does. Whippo does that's the goal all right Whippo we're gonna wrap <laughs> it all the time but sometimes Whippo we're gonna great. wrap up great. here this has been uh Euphoria season six episode mm -hmm. six thank you again Whippo so much for coming on I wish thank you, you the best much. of luck and many more two zeros in your future I um, hope for you to come cast with us thank again. you oh yeah thank we're Mr. Dracos yeah Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I like that we get that man oh <laughs> uh, yeah we'll get you to cast with us for sure um just as a note, if you, for to, any reason, if you end up missing playoffs, God forbid for Fnatic fans, I will be trying to poach you as quickly as possible. Uh, don't tell your manager. Sounds good to me. Um, <laughs> or maybe do tell your manager. Maybe he'll be excited about it. Regardless, yeah, thanks again for coming to cast with us. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, have a good rest of the day, Whippo. And thank you, thank you to everyone who watched. This has been Euphoria once again, season six, episode six. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next week.